0: Good morning, benders and non-benders alike, and welcome to the Republic City Dispatch, a radio program concerning Nickelodeon's Legend of Korra series. This week, Korra who? Flashback to the times of Avatar Aang, as the Harmony Restoration Movement does everything but restore harmony in Yu Dao, and causes deadly friction between Zuko and Aang. It's Dark Horse's The Promise with Matt, Dave, and Devendra.
1: Hello, welcome back to Republic City Dispatch. It's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, I'm Matt Patches, again joined by my esteemed colleagues. Who are you guys? I'm Dave.
2: <laughs> and I'm Davindra. What, that's and not Matt's, a great way of Matt's setting up. up? our intro, so it's okay.
0: It's fine. It's just I can like, roll hey us. guys, ready? Everybody talk at once. One, two, three. <laughs>
2: Hey,
1: we're all thrown in because we're excited. We're excited about The Promise, uh, yeah. the three-book series. It's kind of been rolling out over the whole year. We decided to do one big podcast about it since we're kind of in the interim between Korra books. Um, and I, I think we all pretty much dug it. I, we're all – have histories with comics we're all obviously fans of avatar the last airbender and we're excited to kind of revisit this universe in uh, comic form and we've been talking about it a little bit on previous shows but now we're ready to dig in deep so dave i'm gonna hand it over to you to give us the rundown on um part one of the promise which is going to kick off our conversation here
0: Awesome. So part one is begins with a flashback um, from the end of Sozin's comic of book three. And the Harmony Restoration Movement is named by Sokka and conceived by the Earth King to move the Fire Nation colonies that have existed in the Earth Nation to move them out of Earth Nation territory. So during some fireworks that night celebrating the liberation of the Earth Kingdom, Zuko gets all dark and makes Aang promise to kill him if he becomes too much like Fire Lord Ozai. We flash forward a year and we're in the Fire Nation where there's an attempt made on Zuko's life by the daughter of the mayor of Yudao. Her name is Cory. And um, she assaults him with one of those cool spiky balls on a chain. I forget what those are called. Somebody with better kung fu knowledge will. That thing from Kill Bill. That, that's exactly it. So gets assaulted. Um... Who tells he she uh key uh, kind of fills her in on uh U-Dao, which is the first Fire Nation colony in the Earth Kingdom. It's hundreds of years old. Zuko is moved by her story to travel to U-Dao, where he calls off the Harmony Restoration movement, um, which leads Smellerby and some of our other Earth Nation loyalists to start protesting outside the Udao gates. Um, Aang learns this happen and goes to confront Zuko, and he finds out that Yu Dao is mixed with Earth both earth and firebenders. And uh, Zuko says none of the remaining Fire colonies should be moved Because his people have established lives there And Eng goes to powwow With the Earth King and t- um, To try to get him to call off the Harmony Restoration Movement or at least uh Compromise with Zuko, and meanwhile the Kyoshi Warriors volunteer Zuko's bodyguards, and Zuko finally Ks and goes to his father for advice. Oh, come on. Zuko's a real
1: party pooper. Immediately if, uh, upon like, <laughs> they all win, and then he's like, you gotta kill me if I do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Just bringing it down. Bringing well, it down.
0: what isn't in the comic, but what he comes immediately into that scene from is the end, the last scene of the actual series where he goes and talks to his father. Um, which is interesting that it takes place uh, where he's like, what happened to my mom takes place uh, both in the end of the series and in the end of this part and, one comic. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, I guess this is
1: technically part of canon, so, so they oh, yeah. don't necessarily need to revisit it, but... Uh, for me at least I haven't watched the the finale is it like a
2: boring ultimatum situation they gave us one (laughs) scene and then they're kind of going back
1: exactly where are we going sidestep Um, (laughs) well just to kick things off I'm kind of curious about you guys and I could throw in here too about um, kind of your own history with comic books and uh, I know at least Dave is super into comic books Davindra are you a comics guy
2: I'm, you know, I enjoy reading comics, but I don't have time to follow monthly issues and things like that. So I tend to only buy collections, and I really love it when, you know, a TV series I'm watching or something, I can I can read the comics and kind of explore that world. So for me that's how the promise worked. You know, it's kind of expanding on what we know of the Last Airbender world and the Korra world. Um but you know in a in a good way. As a kid, I I actually started like watching X-Men on TV and Batman the Animated Series on TV. I we had great TV shows at the time, and that pushed me to the comics. So I think it's kind of fun that I get to do that again, you know, yeah. much later on in life.
1: I, I was definitely the same way there. I was not a big superhero comics reader as a kid, but thanks to those great shows that were basically almost straight adaptations of comic books, yeah, um, or, or
2: like side stories or something. But yeah. uh, you know, I, I was also rich a fan in mythology. Of, uh, yes, definitely. I was also a fan of manga, like starting in my teens. Um, And at that point, I just didn't have enough time to read, like, Western comics. And I think at that point, too, Western (laughs) comics were not, they they weren't that interesting. They were just really boring. And, like, that was a point where anime was just, like, this new and exciting thing. And it's funny now how, like, you know, the whole Avatar world, this is, you know, it's a Western show in an anime style. Kind of love how everything's being combined in it.
1: You know, Gene Yang, who wrote The Promise, all three issues of The Promise, uh, has written some Chinese-themed comics. He hasn't Mm -hmm. written manga, um, but I'm curious if you see connections to the manga that you read growing up and and some of these books, because I think the bite-sized nature of The Promise, where it's not a monthly comic, you know, Mm -hmm. which for me, monthly comics get really annoying because they constantly have to remind you what happened last time um, (laughs) within, like, the first five pages, which is half the issue. It's like, oh, Batman grieving about some issue again, just get to the point Um, whereas (laughs) these graphic novel styles that roll out like every few months you know you can get into it within a page or two again remind people and then get into uh, the meaty story I'm curious if if manga for you is kind of the same way
2: I just I like really reading uh, collected books because just uh, the the act of getting a monthly issue is sometimes really annoying. You know, I've never lived before I moved to New York. I never lived in a place that had a really well stocked comic book store. So you could very easily like just go in trying to get your next monthly issue and they won't have it in stock for like a long time. So, for me, the act of following a monthly thing is just annoying, and it was never that easy for me. Mm. Uh, with digital comics, now it's so much <laughs> easier. I kind of I enjoy that, even though it is sacrilegious. Uh, I don't know.
1: yeah. You know? You've gone full-on nerd, thanks to the <laughs> iPad.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it just makes life so much easier. Like it, it, Getting things in order at a comic book store is very annoying. Um, mm. Like For the longest time, I was trying to read that new uh, the Joe Hills uh, comic, Lock and Key, and they would never have the first one, or they'd never have the right. second one. It's just... Then I found it on uh, Comixology and I'm all happy. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as far as uh, the manga relations go, um, yeah, The Promise feels more like manga than like, a traditional, than a Western comic, I'd say. Uh, just from the action, just from, I think, some really interesting use of flashbacks later on and uh, kind of where they go with it, too. Like, there's a really interesting sort of political philosophy lesson in this, yeah. uh, in this book.
1: Um, I was way too busy as a kid playing Magic: The Gathering to ever collect. Comic yeah, yeah, books. you
2: can't talk about anybody <laughs> being a bigger nerd than. When, when am I getting
1: my Airbender collectible card game? By the way, which probably exists, and I'm outing myself for not knowing, but uh, mm. I would play that game. Dave, what about you? Comics? You're a big comic reader today, I know that.
0: Yes, uh, I mean I started in the early to mid '90s uh, buying. We had a very nice comic book shop in Louisville, Colorado Lucky. called Time Warp Two. Um, and does it just still sort exist? Of- um I don't think it does probably I think not. it it merged with probably the Boulder comic book shop and you know there's only one can survive now that yeah. half things are digital um but it, so I would do weeklies uh i especially like the Marvel line and then I also happen to be very fortunate to get my hands on some old uh Scrooge mcDuck and some old uh e c yes. uh <laughs> horror comics so uh- uh, Although it was primarily a superhero venture for me, I diversified very quickly into the many different formats that comics could take, with the exception of Eastern formats. Much like uh, cartoons and film, I am very Western in my base and uh, will continue to be so. Just because I tend to find that storytelling sort of more interesting and makes sense to me, I could find a rhythm in it. And it's uh, very fun for me with these... Hybrid Avatar comics to sort of see the storytelling choices that they've made and um, sort of the visual choices. So it's they decided not to go with like a more traditional manga style, where like it's something that's like a manga meets West is essentially Scott Pilgrim and mm-hmm. how that looks and how that interacts and how the characters emote. This one they emote like they did in the cartoon series, but even less. There aren't a lot of face faults, which I know we talked about in the difference between comics and anime and uh there isn't as many exaggerated expressions here and there's certainly nothing that we didn't see in the series as a whole in terms of storytelling i'm glad that davinder brought up lock and key because that's another story that tells a serialized story but does it like it looks like the dark horse avatar line is going to do where it's each volume tells another self-contained story so lock and key has like six volumes and each volume only has six issues, but each volume is its own self-contained story. So well, the characters stay throughout the whole series, but there isn't the pressure to have endless continuity. Right.
1: I feel like Airbender, the series, was kind of like that.
0: Um, some... I guess a little bit, but it still had that big ending where it's like at the end of this series, Aang's going to fight the Fire Lord, right. and that was hanging over the entire series. Here in The Promise... um. They sort of do a pivot to the more adult tone of Korra, which I really enjoy, but also set up that they're going to, you know, show us little pods of the gang. Um, this first one being immediately bringing us up to speed and the next one, the search, is going to deal more with uh, Zuko and Azula. So, uh, I'm glad that you brought up Scrooge McDuck comics. Think,
1: because Davenger was giving me a hard time before the podcast about how I used to read <laughs> Scrooge McDuck comics, mostly because that's what my parents would buy me when I was really younger, and I guess maybe they thought me reading Batman would be a bad influence. I remember my mom bought me a Batmobile once, and she took away the missiles that were in the that popped out, and it's like, yeah. that's bad Whatever for you. Whatever
2: they do if poor Matt based his entire life on pop culture. I know. Right? I would be,
1: <laughs> I would start imitating Batman. I would fight crime. That would be bad. <laughs> so um, just, so just instead, I imitated Scrooge McDuck, and uh... <laughs> No, I, thank God. I, yeah, I next the time you talk
0: to RZA, ask him why he didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, you know, I I thought about those Scrooge
1: McDuck comics. I also read a lot of Simpsons comics growing up. And trying to. Oh,
0: yeah, that's by uh, Bongo Press.
1: Yeah. Trying to take something that's animated and has a voice to it, something that you already recognize beforehand, and then trying to take it to another medium and imitate that and and recapture that magic. It's a really difficult task, I think, as opposed to some of these characters that were born in the comics you project on them whereas now we have ideas of what like airbender should sound like feel like um move like and um i think it's one of the biggest hurdles for the promise especially for my own enjoyment i i do like it but it's sometimes you want to see you want to see these characters acting it out you want to hear their voices you want to feel the energy and the action um and and but i was all about part one uh And and seeing the show mature a little bit in a way that, you know, like you said, Dave, there was a big adventure in the the series. It was all about kicking the Fire Lord's butt, and they were young kids, and now all of a sudden it's really political, and they have to change it up. And I think they effectively do, Um, but I do think that there was a giant hurdle for me to enjoy it because of – the things that i knew about the show previously
0: see i'm gonna go the exact opposite which is that knowing how sokka and toff work comically allows them to work in text for me in a way that if it was a pure comic it would just wouldn't play as well there's Hmm. some genuinely funny moments uh in part two i believe there's one where uh toff is like Sokka, am I doing it right? I'm trying to roll my eyes at you. And there's just a picture of her pointing at her eyes, sort of like half rolling. And that works because you're picturing the movement because you know how that chemistry works because you saw it play out on television. Whereas something like... I think that the promise is allowed to do that, whereas something like the other Dark Horse comics that were released during the actual run of Avatar were sort of saddled with side stories because it's like, here, we're going to, you know, give you some more of this product. Whereas here, it's like, now the comics are the primary storytelling device for these characters. So we're getting, like, pure doses of these characters in canon. And because of that, you get to bring all the character development you have immediately into it. So we could start with this hmm. big political thing and be like, you know, that, you know, Toph's, you know, Zasaka's going to mention the space sword every once in a while, and uh, Katara and Aang are legit dating now, and Toph has her metal bending school. Like, all that background you already have. So it's just a matter of pulling a little bit on the dynamics to make the text come to life.
1: Davenger, was the story, like, was this political hook for you? That interesting knowing what you were coming off of from Avatar Last Airbender or in I guess more modern times coming off mm-hmm. of Korra.
2: I mean, I think it's it's interesting to see the transition, right, from the childlike adventure that they had to deal with before And defeating the Fire Lord was, like, the big thing. But beyond that, you know, Airbender was a really fun story, and it's really interesting to see, okay, now things are getting real. Now you have to deal with political realities and changing a society. And it's not as easy as, like, being happy and say, it'll be fun, guys. Transplanting (laughs) your entire life is going to be great. (laughs) Um, you know, it's just interesting to see, like, these young characters deal with the political reality, and I, I'm hoping that's something that, you know, even younger readers and ourselves get from the story. It's like, oh, this stuff is actually pretty complicated, and you could actually look at some real-life situations and see how it's really similar.
0: Um, yeah, I- I just want to jump in and say I really like how this is the first time we get to see the gang go up against something that isn't, like, good versus evil. Like, it was really easy in the series to say, like, this is what they should do because it's the good thing. And occasionally, Aang has some consciousness of crisis, but it's all based around the idea that he's too young to sort of do this. In this one, it's every, like, major conflict we're given, whether it be in Yu Dao and the Harmony Restoration Movement or the Metal Bending Academy or the uh, official Avatar fan club, both sides are sort of correct, Um, just factually. It's just a matter of whether their leaders are going to make the correct decision for the people they are being led. But never before have we had that situation where someone's so... I mean, the closest we have in this is... Zuko keeps going back to his father, which we probably know is not a good idea, but it's also not, like, his father's still in jail, so it's not an unsafe thing to do, and it somewhat makes sense. But I really like the promise because both sides are sort of equally balanced with their logical arguments.
1: You know, I saw a few people on Tumblr respond to my my inquiry about reactions and that sort of thing, and I think a little, some people were a little unsatisfied by it, and maybe me too, because of what I expect from uh, Avatar The Last Airbender versus what I expect from Korra, and because it's almost like a heady, talky uh, conflict to kind of resolve. And But I definitely think for me, after part one, it's sort of picking up a little more. About, do you feel like this is just um, – I, I don't know if this was the story to tackle in the first run of post-show comics.
0: Um, I mean, uh, that depends a lot on what happened to Zuko's mom. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm assuming that they know and that they are choosing to roll this out at a time period that it's going to be important to us. Um, I don't, I mean, I would hope that they have their act together enough just in terms of controlling the property that, um, the promise, I mean, the search will be somewhat tied to Korra Book 2, the way that the promise, at least emotionally, brings up, like, Udao could be Republic City. We don't really know, but, you know, we definitely get a unified colony by the end of it, uh, which is the first time. And it sort of expands the world. It shows how the Republic City came about after the end of the first book of Korra. So hopefully if they have all their ducks in a row, the search will not seem so much like the promise was a delay, but that there was a reason that it had to happen when it did. I mean, that's what yeah, I really yeah. have to trust them with.
2: Yeah, it, it seems like this story was really complimentary, just because it fit what we were dealing with in Korra so well. Mm. And they, they couldn't have, like, revealed Zuko's mom in a comic alongside you know the actual series when people watching <laughs> the series actually want to see that. Like, that would not make any sense. So, you doing the search next year, they could actually work with the reveal i assume it's going to happen in the show first really you do not think this is going to be a comics thing i you know i think it's going to be a search leading up to the show and maybe there's going to be some parallel storytelling there but i can't imagine that they're going to stick such a major revelation in just a side comic that not as many people are reading as they are watching this tv show
0: well we have uh Grey DeLise, who plays the voice of Azula, it will mm-hmm. be back for Korra book two. And then it's also been said uh, by Brike that uh, Azula's fate will be dealt with in the search. So uh, maybe, I mean, we know that she's probably not coming back as Azula. She's coming back as one of the spirits. But there's a, there could be a connection there. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, any more thoughts
1: on, on book one, Dave? I was going to uh, point to you for a book two summary because that's when I think for me uh, this, this promise arc started really picking up.
0: Yeah, we could go to book two, part two On the way back to the Earth Kingdom, the gang drops Sokka and Toph off at Toph's new metal bending academy Where we meet the Lily Livers, Hotun, Panga, and the Dark One I'm not going to spoil his real name because it's awesome Who have been kicked out when the Fire Nation dojo who vacated the school for the Harmony Restoration Movement Returns at the Order of Zuko Sokka and Toph plan a contest between the students and whoever is forced to sit first wins. Uh, Aang arrives at the Earth Kingdom and meets the official Avatar fan club made up of teenage girls and they're all co-presidents. In Udow, locals train to form a resistance movement to counteract Smellerbee's gang outside the walls, but Sneers, who's one of Smellerbee's Earth Kingdom gang, (laughs) starts dating the mayor's daughter... Uh, Toph's metalbenders rally behind her just when she's about to give up hope after training with Sokka and the metalbenders, and the Avatar fan club alerts the Yudao chapter that the Avatar needs their help. Meanwhile, Fire Lord Ozai pressures Zuko more, and the Earth King decides to fly with his army to Dao. You know, I was
1: a really big fan of um, the conversations between... Uh Zuko and his father, the imprisoned Fire Lord Ozai, uh, that that's what the big hook for me, and almost maybe the whole run of the books is. I love seeing that dynamic and him like worried about really falling into place with uh, Ozai's evolution as a Fire Lord and becoming evil. Um, and and maybe that lends itself to the political stuff too. What I don't love as much is, is the tough metal bending school. But Davindra as a metal bending fan, was that. A- was that something you were keyed on seeing?
2: I loved seeing it because it's. I actually wish we got to see more of it too in uh, in Korra because I think the story is Toph is still alive and going around training people. I seem to remember that's that right. was the setup from before Korra began and we didn't see Toph in the in the actual season. But I think it's it's really cool to see how this all began and how she's dealing. With this sort of like philosophical shift on how to teach people this new form of bending, I also love that Sokka is there to kind of spur everything along. So I just I loved everything about that segment. And it felt like really old school Airbender, while also giving us a glimpse into what happens in Korra.
0: Yeah, I like uh, Sokka's all in attitude when he's going. To, he decides he's going to help train the Lily Livers. He just starts throwing metal coins at them like every time he sees them, which is pretty hilarious. I also like the backstory that. Um, Toph can find potential metal benders by her space metal sort of vibrating when she's <laughs> near them. She has a divining rod, essentially. I mean, the initial group of metal benders are, were found by a divining rod, and I also uh, like the. It seemed sort of side to the very serious plot that we had, but yeah. the, the attempt to make a giant metal boar monster to plant all of the fears of the lily livers backfires because they just do it too well. Like they just dig into everybody's fears so much. They all kind of collapse. Um, and then it does work out for them at the end, but I I guess also to Patches' point, um, I feel like it was a little bit of treading water with Zuko and the, and, uh, Ozai. The reason it worked so well for me in part one is because it was sort of, uh, paralleled to, um, well, in part one and part three, we get a parallel with Aang talking with, uh, oh god, the fire. Oh, he's the most badass fire avatar. But Roku? Roku, thank you. There you go. So Aang's talking to Roku, much like, uh, Zuko's talking to Ozai, and they're both basically getting bad advice from these people that are supposed to ha- be giving them the best advice in the position they're in. The a former, uh, avatar is like well you said you're gonna kill him so it's important to keep your words you should probably just kill him meanwhile ozai is like there's no way you could not become me zuko but then also refuses to actually give any sort of uh usable advice or just talks about the past you're doomed you're doomed and so that was that's interesting especially when you have uh you know all of Zuko's friends, be they the Kyoshi Warriors uh, or anybody else, sort of telling him that he needs to get out of his head, and he instead keeps going back to his father. So I see why that was useful, but I would have almost like you know Toph's amazing metal bending academy to be its own separate thing outside of the promise. But being right. that it wasn't, I really enjoyed that offshoot of part too.
1: I feel the same way. Like I like the material. I like the idea of it. I love all the new characters that we get to meet. That um. Toff is training the emo kid and and the crazy girl, and they're they're fun characters that're written very well. Um, but I think while the structure pretty much works it's almost like two towers lord of the rings two towers where everyone's just kind of for the second issue everyone goes in a different direction it does something random um but they didn't feel as connected as you would hope um but what you said dave that that juxtaposition of ang's battle internal battle and and zuko's internal battle that's really interesting stuff um but it's i think it loses a little momentum by stuffing the toff storyline in there
0: And we haven't even talked about the official Avatar fan club, which I think was cool in the sense that it gave us some background on the Air Nomads, but which kind of bugged me in the sense that it was as close as uh, Avatar The Last Airbender has come to acknowledging its own fandom. I was about to say it's totally
1: commentary on fandom, don't you think?
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, look, you guys are all into it. You want to date Aang, and uh, you're all vice presidents. Like, this is... It's it's an interesting thing to take, especially since part three is going to take that in a different direction, that they took an entire issue to sort of show how drooling fandom sort of plays into Aang's narcissism and loneliness being the last airbender.
1: And I imagine that the... Um, speaking of fandom and how riled up they can be, uh, I imagine that the Aang... Katara love stuff may have rubbed some people the wrong way. It's especially smoochy. I mean, that's Sokka's <laughs> reaction. Uh, oogie Oogie's, yeah. Oogie's. Um, but I wonder, did did that stuff work for you guys? It was a little almost weird for me, because... You don't see much of that in the show at all until the very end when they kind of acknowledge their feelings for each other. Now they're and like still
0: looks really young. That's they're the really thing. young. They're really <laughs> there's, young. There's one reason that it worked for me, and that's because the entire time Aang's with the official Avatar fan club, you see Katara is stewing silently in the corner, and then they leave and she's obviously pissed and Aang realizes it and he's like You know, I realize that was tough for you, but it really helps because I'm feeling really alone because I don't have any of my people and nobody wants to talk about airbending and no one's giving me old airbending flutes. And there's one panel of Katara's reaction where you realize that she just got it and they're going to move on. And because of that one panel, I feel like they dealt with it in an adult manner and people have feelings.
1: Well, I mean, it is really important, especially in the payoff in um, the third part. Of the promise, where it becomes their relationship and their love, their very obvious love, um, becomes a a keystone of Aang's decision making, which is uh, super important. So maybe, maybe we should just jump into three here, Dave.
0: All right. Dream sequence. Aang is about to kill Zuko. Aang and Zuko seem to be having the same prophetic dream. Meanwhile, in real life, Aang returns to Udao with Katara and immediately falls under attack. He meets Sneers and Cory, the mayor's daughter, who inform Aang about the resistance movement that's being formed inside Udao. The Udao Avatar fan club shows up and is much more intense. Uh, they've actually given themselves airbender tattoos, a special ink, and shaved their head, and Aang is horrified at the perversion of his culture. Uh, Suki picks up. Toph and Sokka from the Metalbending Academy because Zuko's on the march to Dao and she wants to uh, help stop him. Sokka, Toph, and Suki go about quietly disarming the Fire Nation takes as they approach the Dao wall. Aang, meanwhile, stops the Earthbenders from drilling into Yudow. That's Smellerby and his group. They're all freaking out. But right as he does, the Earth Kingdom army and the Fire Nation army show up outside for our Final showdown, which I don't have to spoil because chances are we're gonna talk about it right now, yeah, uh
1: very first combat on part three. I love that it's a joke that sneers gets a girlfriend that is hot <laughs> no one yes. can believe that I, I just thought I'm like, oh is that a win for uh for for us, us weird looking geeks uh that's uh, that's how I felt, but I also was like, why is this a joke? Of course sneers gets a hot girlfriend he's cool
0: yeah, well he also. Is the <laughs> he starts dating the first you know i i guess it's multi ethnic but the first uh, hybrid member of the avatar mm-hmm. universe uh cory is the first mixed oh, yeah. biracial person in the world mm-hmm. so i this mean, is guess could... who's coming to dinner all over again this mm-hmm. is... if you if you want it to be a joke about you know fat guy gets a hot girlfriend that's good but it could also be a joke about you know the guy that you kick out of your social structure is gonna go look outside of that social structure for happiness i'm taking everything really deep in it's part deep three, guys. This, is,
1: this is extremely deep um so davindra at this point it sounds like you were pretty on board with every uh issue of the promise was mm-hmm. it was part three a fulfilling end to the whole thing for me it was the, it was the most fulfilling issue of all of them because it was kind of all of it that i wanted to see in one issue
2: yeah, I think um, the second one was probably where things started to languish a bit for me too. So it's it's nice to see in the third book for everything that kind of come together. But I mean, that's the entire point of doing a three part series. So you know that that wasn't too surprising to me. I liked where things went, and uh, not sure about this whatever they're hinting at with uh, Suki and uh, and Zuko, but okay. Um, that that I yeah I didn't know what they were doing with that, but everything else
0: seems uh, really good. I mean, I'm. Ah, there's a lot of heavy stuff in here that's masked around, like, look at all the gang in the same place right. doing stuff. But it's like, Aang comes to a moment where he's going to kill Zuko, and then he just has to get everybody to settle down. And then after he sort of figures that out, he gets this moment where he wants to sort of destroy the Avatar fan clubs because they're perverting the airbenders and Qatar has to sit them down and say like look if you don't let anybody do this because they're not doing it right then the entire culture will die off and you are the last airbender so you need to figure out a way to you know coexist within this culture and acknowledge that these people want to do right and luckily the fan club stands up during the battle and you know is the the they they are the leaf I would say in the in the battle um, and so they do they do some good jobs there and show they might not be as self-obsessed fangirls like the Earth Kingdom chapter but uh the birth of the air acolytes I feel was almost as a complex as a complex decision as the promise was overall I um, I
1: totally agree with you I feel I'm trying to you know I'm still mulling it all over if it was is it commentary on fandom mm-hmm. or is it commentary on the way that we're fans about anything or the way how like our our impact on our own culture and how we kind of filter it through ourselves I mean what, what are you, what are you thinking there because I feel like that's a pretty heavy issue that's also stuffed alongside this other really big political angle and you know a friendship that could end in death um, but I still think that fandom stuff is pretty important
0: yeah I mean it's interesting for me because growing up in the West I read it more like something like Native American culture or Indian culture um, getting sort of diluted and made you know topaz tourist traps off the interstate Hmm. uh, to most people And, you know, you have kids where this is legitimately part of their lineage, but for their first, you know, nine years of their life, it's a single feather coming up from the back of somebody's head in, uh, you know, Disney's Peter Pan. And is that really teaching them to be part of their culture? But then again, you also can't go and, you know, tell them to go hunt their own food or do any of the trials that would traditionally be with their culture because that just doesn't exist anymore. So it's. I mean, these things are echoed in real life in a very real way, which but, is what hit me so hard about it. What is it saying
1: that Ang? Because I, I think that Native American comparison is actually really good. It's taking something and and making making it pop, uh, making it a big deal and for everybody. And but but Ang accepts that too. It's part of acceptance, which is a strange thing to feel because. Um, Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender especially has taken these Eastern ideas and uh, preserved them but dabbled in them. And I wonder if it it seems kind of in contention with what Aang accepts in this book.
0: Uh, I think it's almost... I think that if anything's unifying this choice plus the greater choice of the promise, it's that, um, you know, people are people regardless of their blood or their background. So it's like Aang creates the air acolytes as a separate group because they're not you know, air nomads. They haven't been raised in the culture or they haven't been raised in the place. It would be, uh, disingenuous to call them, uh, air nomads as much as it would be to call somebody from Utah, purely fire nation or purely earth nation. What it is is everybody sort of gets to self define in this post-war era, uh, based on what's important to them culturally which i think is a really positive message but it's a very difficult message in this time in world history because we still have all these ethnic boundaries that are i just got super serious on the republic city (laughs) dispatch guy hey that's what we're all about we're all about (laughs) the deep read here okay good but i really i really enjoy that it's just it the interesting thing about part three is part two was so much fun and uh, building up this you know huge conflict that's going to take place in part three, and then the conflict starts, and it's sort of happening, and then Aang freaks out and sort of brings these high-level talking problems to everybody, which I think he needs to do as the Avatar, but it, it sort of feels like part three is when the series took its full step and it's like we're no longer about being this child series we're not animated so we're not going to focus so much on our action we are now about these characters becoming adults and now that we get to see ang go through it in the promise it's our turn to see zuko sort of uh live up to his expectations of himself in the search Mm -hmm. davinder do you think that ang you know i i saw some comments
1: from people that said ang was impatient or why why can't ang just deal with this problem already but what i think that the Book does really well is it reminds us that Ang's still a kid, and yeah. so far he solved most of his problems by like you know going into the Avatar state and and shooting water at people and shooting air and um, or bending. I guess I'm going to take crap for that or
2: getting advice from like the elders or like the his past lives and stuff. Yeah, here, solve it's my problems for me, sort of thing. Exactly. Right here, it's interesting that he had to deal with it himself. And actually, I think it was really interesting too that uh, Katara kind of like, it kind of broke ranks with him to kind of put things in perspective. And I kind of like that bit of their relationship. I mean, it's weird hearing Katara talk about their future when they're clearly still just teenagers. But uh, its I like that bit. I like that Katara can think differently, can force him to think differently. And I do love that in the end, uh, Zuko was right. After all the emo whining, he was right. He knew what had to be done, but nobody just knew how to do it properly.
0: Yeah, still still nobody's wrong, which makes for great storytelling. Is is that
1: is yeah, is that why political stuff will always work in this world because <laughs> I, I you know, there is there is no right answer. You can't have there's no way to do it. It's and just I,
2: a more interesting discussion, right? When you when you're setting up things like that versus, you know, black and
0: white, good and evil. I mean, we gave a lot of props to Cora for world-building so fast, but this is what happens when you have a pre-built world. And characters that everybody loves to populate it. You could get into these huge, nobody's wrong situations, but people have to figure stuff out. And that's why I'm so psyched that Dark Horse is going to continue with The Last Airbender as we push forward into Korra, which hopefully does the same thing. And it looks like, you know, Book 2 is going to bring up spirits and family, and we're going to get a little deeper now that we know these people and we know the world. You know, it's interesting,
1: and I think a lot of expanded universe stuff, I was talking before the podcast about the star wars expanded universe materials and just like oh you know the original trilogy is as squeaky clean and easy as uh, it's the hero's journey he just has to destroy the bad guys and then it's all better and then the expanded universe in the novels and comics and that sort of thing we're able to run with the idea that like well if you destroy the empire there's still going to be the empire somewhere and they're going to go and do some damage, and you're going to have to figure out how to handle all that. Um And that's what makes part three so interesting to me, just that real conflict that Ang goes through, and that it's not, I don't know if he made the best decision, or I don't know, even after the end of the comic, and he really stands up to Roku in that one scene, in that dream sequence, or it's not a dream sequence, he's in the spirit world talking to Roku and like burns the amulet that he you know that is his life up until that point that's a momentous occasion that's a real standing against authority in a way that uh Mm -hmm. you know most people would not tell you to do that and and a comic book based on avatar the last airbender is telling me to do that
0: yeah I, i mean it's definitely you see that when we those statues in republic city of zuko and Aang, we all kind of you know or at least I assumed it was because they overthrew the Fire Lord, but I'm starting to see that lots of stuff happened that could make them want to put up those statues, and uh, it, they're ma- they're becoming leaders in their own right. And I kind of alluded this before,
1: and I'd point to you, Dravindra, because you, you, when we talk about Korra, you really hone in on the action and have an idea of like, look at this amazing sequence, and I wonder if you have the same thoughts when you read a comic book, and if, if action can still be thrilling for you. And then also, you know, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of action in Part 3 with the big war, and, uh, you know, Ang's flying around trying to save people. Um, but is it important for an Avatar The Last Airbender comic to—, to action-packed? Uh, is that why Korra was able to happen and be more political because it wasn't the same thing? Is it important for you to see properties kind of extend into similar places, and, and is that part of what made the show the show?
2: I mean, uh, for for Airbender, the action was always great, and yeah, I love the action in Korra. I just... I love good action. You know, we we've talked about it. We've we've kind of praised how well Korra does it, given the level of animation they have too. So, given that it's just like a part of the series so far, I'm very glad that this comic does give us some decent action scenes. It's not what everything is about, but you know, uh, that's kind of what I love about the whole Avatar series: is that you can have a really good story and strong characters and good writing, and also squeeze in some good action. Right? There's no reason why we have to give up one good thing, you know, to replace it with some other things. And in terms of uh, comic action, you know, I, it, it can work just well in comics. Mm-hmm. You have to be a lot more explicit about how you do it. And my brain is kind of just <laughs> wired for movie action. Like, yeah. I see everything in movie choreography. So when I read a comic, I'm kind of just filling in the blanks and imagining how everything is put together. I think The the Promise does it quite well. Um, but at the same time, I can't help but wish you know they just had some extra money to animate these three things as like a movie length you know side story at some point that'd be fun but probably just kind of uh, uh repetitive um do you f- I- I-
1: part of me thought like this was an opportunity for different artists to kind of tackle the material because you know mm-hmm. based on some of the you know there was another dark horse comic book that was just little side adventures from the characters doing and in, in lots of different styles and from the art fan art that i see on tumblr it's like this is an amazing mythology and amazing lots of iconography to play with you know why not take a chance and do avatar the last airbender comics in a different style but are you glad that it kind of extends what we know from the show is that important or is there a, is it a missed opportunity not to stylistically change things up
2: i, I think that would be really dangerous because as much as we like this and i feel like uh, avatar appeals to mature audiences you know this is something that the kids who watch these shows will want to get to and i'm not sure if they'll be too fine with things getting really changed um, yeah, hopefully down the line, maybe that's something that they can explore. I kind of love how uh, was it the uh, before the Dark Knight came out, they had like that anime, right? Uh, Gotham, Gotham Knights. Knights. Yeah, that had like very different styles, and the animatrix too. Like had very different art styles for how they are approaching this one universe. And maybe at some point we'll get something like that for Cora or for the Airbender universe. But yeah, I, I I didn't miss the fact that they didn't try too differently. I like that things looked as I remember them.
0: I th- I would say that if you're going to change the style, you need to step outside of the story. So if we're in the yeah, last airbender, yeah. it needs to look like that or something like the uh chibi avatar shorts uh is a good example of that where it's like they were fun on their own right, but they were definitely chibi animation and did not take place in the actual continuity. I would also love to see a third character get his own series, his or her own series. Uh, that is not a- Ang or Korra, and then that you know turn it over to somebody who has a really stylistic gift and let them figure out what part of the world looks like. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're if you're in if you're playing in the Avatar slash Korra universe with characters that we recognize, they they kind of need to look like that style. And I think that also kind of hurt the action a little bit in the sense like there's some dynamic ways to show fire and earth and air and water. <clears throat> In comics, uh, but they are kind of held here to showing them in a similar way that they showed them in the series, and because they 're different mediums they 're just not well served here as they could be cool. Well, do you guys have any more any more thoughts on the
1: promise as a whole or part three specifically? Dave, did we cover the politics? for you. Dave is a very political person. You should all know. I, I uh... (laughs) I
0: I think we did. I think as long as you notice that, you know, there's some deep issues here and that, you know, we might be talking about Native Americans and we could be talking about Israel and Palestine and we could be talking about real things. I think, you know, don't come to any conclusions because of art but start thinking of it because of art that's totally valid who would ang vote for (laughs) see that's what i'm saying don't come to any conclusions (laughs) through that oh god oh god Uh, he's an undecided voter Um, let's
1: fly through a few, I asked for fan comments, um, just about what people were thinking about the issue and, and looking ahead. I just want to jump into some of these, uh, MKCE, I don't know how you pronounce that Tumblr, uh, said that, uh, do you think Ugi the Sky Bison got his name from Sokka's word for, uh, the, oh, Katang. Is that a phrase that people are actually using on, yeah, on, it's you know? and Oh, well, that makes, yeah, I got that. <laughs> um, do you think Do you think Oogie's? I guess that's Tenzin's Sky Bison, is an extension of. I don't think. I think Sokka's Oogie, uh, has an e at the end, and Oogie the Sky Bison it does I not. I think
0: people are reading way too much. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe not because, like, at some point in the Promise, Katara's like, "What's Oogie?" and Toph licks her hand. And she's like, "Oogie." So maybe, maybe the Sky Bison licks a baby uh, Tenzin, and Tenzin uh, goes Oogie, and they just name the Sky Bison that way. Um, <laughs> here, here's another comment
1: from Pio Tremil. I, I, people have weird Tumblr names. Um, why isn't Iro helping Zuko as an advisor? Oh, We get to see a step little uh, Iro, but I think he's busy mm-hmm. brewing tea.
2: I mean, that was, that was his whole character arc in the series, right? Yeah. He wanted to step away from this and just make tea. And I think that's
1: good, too, because I think... Mm-hmm what the promise really gets right is Zuko starting to figure things out too. Just like Aang, you know these characters have uh, been mentored by different people, have had them, have had people help them solve problems in the past, have solved problems in very blunt ways, and now they're tackling something very adult and they have to do it alone that's part of what the promise is about
0: Yeah, and I think by the time Zuko is depressed enough to turn to Iroh he actually has an internal monologue about that and he just can't because he's gone too far down what he sees as his father's path and obviously Iroh knows I don't have a lot of good blood left. Uh Pio Tramil
1: also asked why Zuko would ever follow Ozai. And I think that's just a father-son thing. Yeah. L- and that it, they it, get really right in the books.
0: And then Zuko also is it's like he's dealing with the power of being the fire lord and i i don't think he sees talking with his father as dangerous i think he sees his dad's in a cell and zuko's gonna go try to grind him down but what actually happens is the opposite and that's just mm-hmm. immaturity making a bad decision um and a comment from
1: our friends at uh, racebending.com uh, fans were worried about Aang severing his relationship with Roku in The Promise, especially since he burned the fire amulet on his necklace that he would uh, hold to symbolize Roku. But in Legend of Korra, we see an adult Aang with a necklace whole and complete again. So some time between The Promise and Korra, Aang must have repaired his relationship with Iroku. Uh This may just be canon not following suit. Or or, or extend, expanded universe not following suit with uh Avatar, The Last Airbender, and Legend of Korra. I don't know.
0: Uh, You You think something in the
1: search may undo this?
0: Well, here's the question, all right? If we were living in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, and we saw Luke's hand get cut off and his lightsaber fall down the Sky City tunnel, and then we saw promotional stills from Return of the Jedi where Luke had another hand and another lightsaber, I would not care so i mean it's interesting that he <laughs> burns the necklace here but uh, I, I just the fact that he has it again um but you would not him- care
1: because you would think that they would solve that problem or that it wouldn't it's not a big deal that for some reason he's just has a hand in it
0: if it's going to be a problem, then we're going to deal with it, but just by the nature of him having it, and the adult Aang, the necklace that he's wearing has the airbender symbol on it, and he just burns the firebender symbol on this necklace here, so even, it could be the same necklace, it could not mean anything, it could just be just for show, like, you know... Aang got Aang. some new bling. Yeah, I, I I don't think it's important until we're told it's important. I mean, the they needed a physical object yes. to show us how committed Aang was to not using roku as a crutch so that's what happened Good show don't tell moment exactly um and then
1: uh kuno chan says i have to say that the promise part three went a tad fast and the conclusion was somewhat anticlimactic for my taste it was almost like your breath in the winter you see it and then it's gone uh but she has to praise artwork the artwork by gene yang or uh the artwork and then i don't doubt that gene yang wrote to the best of his ability despite uh Bitterness over May and Zuko's breakup. Personally, I think the most anticipated part was Azula's appearance and the mystery of what's to follow in the search. Um, and I think this goes back to people. I, I think the promise is going to get some mixed reactions overall because it's not what people were expecting. It's not what people mm-hmm. wanted. And uh, uh, that Azula tease is like, that's it. That's what I want.
0: Whose who's fault is that? Well, that's if it's not what you're expecting.
1: <laughs> but do you feel like the show set up for what the search is going to deliver and that this is not uh, this is this is the core wheelhouse?
0: I can't hold uh, the uh, withholding of the Zuko's mom's truth against the creative team, because every time I think that's what I want, they give me something that I like perfectly well. Right. Uh, so I, I'm assuming I'm going to like the search. And so as long as we get to it, I don't care what we do in between here and there. Like I yeah. said earlier, I assume they have a plan about what happened to Zuko's mom, and they're not just continually putting it off until they come up with one. And mm-hmm. we'll get it when we get it. I just and wanted- we got some good oh. kernels of, of uh, some hints as
2: to who she was and Aang's connection with Zuko. I think that was interesting. Like, they gave us something. It's not like we came out of
0: this empty-handed. Right. Right.
1: We see uh, Azula sees her in the mirror. She's gone completely crazy.
0: Well, I mean, she saw her in the mirror in the... In the chosen's comet episode, right. so it's glad. I, I'm also happy. Continuity. It's like I'm glad we see Azula here because some people were like assuming that we'd hear something about Azula and Korra. So it's the the worlds are slowly moving closer to each other. I right? could have used a little more my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Sure, why not? I mean, no one cared about Ty Lee. No one's been like, where's Ty Lee in the search?
1: What are you talking about? We talked about Ty Lee, like, all the time during Korra.
0: Oh, they they care about her in Korra, but only because of chi-blocking. We didn't know where that came from. So, I don't know. Maybe, oh, see, the interesting thing is if the search, if the comics in any way, you know, bring in Korra stuff, I imagine that we'd see something of Amon's past, because I mm-hmm. doubt that we'd be revisiting that, uh a character in the animated series and there's that huge block of time where he went from uh, the water tribe to eventually coming back as a masked chi blocker well Mario Kart
1: Ninja listener Mario Kart Ninja thinks that Zuko and Suki will eventually get together Ooh. in the search because of after Mai and Zuko broke up there was like a moment
2: mm. there are many moments it's pretty it's pretty obvious that that's what they're trying to hint at so yeah um, There's going to be an inevitable split between Sokka and Zuko. Although, I don't... Does does Zuko even care what Sokka thinks? Like, those two never interact. So that's going to be kind of fun. But do you... All, I mean,
1: so... So, uh, Suki and Sokka, n- not a thing. Eh. Oh, no. That, that crushes me.
2: I mean, th- they were clearly say, pointing to that. Like, when when Suki was kind of uh, bodyguarding. Also, why would you get the Kiyoshi warriors to bodyguard the Fire Lord? I don't, I don't get that, but okay. That's to mix, to mix things up. I guess. But he, he hadn't even come to that realization yet. And then during the battle, they're fighting against the Fire. what the Fire Nation is doing. So it's all, it, it all got kind of muddy to me. But yeah, Suki, Suki and Zuka will definitely happen. And, oh, uh, man. You
1: know, we'll see what happens Shipping there. up a storm here. Then who does Sokka get with? Is it Toph? <laughs> uh, I don't know what to think.
2: Oh, does that make uh what's her name?
1: Now when? I'm trying to figure out whose whose daughter is who whose daughter is who? Legend of Korra uh, I'm I'm losing my mind here.
0: Uh, well I mean I think we decided Zuko was still alive, yeah? And Korra. Uh, yeah, 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 pretty much. So maybe he's not in Republic City because when Sokka was head honcho of Republic City, mm-hmm. he got a little oh my gosh, some some stuff went down. Well, uh, Mario Kart Ninja gives us the heads up for phrasing
1: in the future. Katang Taka Suzuki, which I think Suzuki <laughs> is going to be a problem. <laughs> I think that has been used. Uh, There's some rights issues to that. Yeah, Guys,
2: who is uh, who is Lin Beifang's father? Did we ever learn that?
1: I don't think. I don't we, think we go. Did. I know, but she's not as kooky as Sokka, which she's would be not,
2: disappointing. Although
0: maybe she she's rebelling against her insane father. Yeah, and um, I mean maybe something horrible could happen to Sokka. He yeah. wasn't he wasn't super funny as a council member. <laughs> oh man, he did yeah. bring up the boomerang. Remember? So he did, well, we get to see boomerang here. So yes. it came back at some point. Oh wait, no, we saw it come back. I'm just yes. happy every time yes. I see boomerang come back. <laughs> Uh, And just to
1: wrap things up, Mario Cardinja, who wrote an amazingly long note that I'm not going to read in full... Probably is
2: the best name ever. (laughs) uh,
1: He's looking ahead to the future uh, for the search, and he believes that the search has a double meaning, like the promise, uh, which was Aang's promise to Zuko, their promise to the Earth King to restore the colonies, promise, promise, promises. Um, Also promises for Aang and Katara to be together forever. No, um... He thinks that the two searches will be Zuko Azula searching for Ursa and Aang searching for the lost colony of sky bison and lemurs. But it seemed like Aang was going to help Zuko in his yeah. search. Yeah. So that would be weird for, for more than one search to occur.
0: I feel oh, like. and also, think teams. Teams
2: could happen. <laughs> I feel like the sky bison, they could just be traveling around and saying, hey, look, more sky bison. <laughs> you don't need a whole search for that, do you? <laughs> I
1: I don't know if I would be that interested in it, but if uh, knowing the promise and how it kind of went in different directions uh, liberally, uh, it seems plausible. But I do think that Aang and Zuko need to team up for an adventure. They had a little bit of time on the show. They were at odds in the promise. Like, let's see Aang-Zuko-buddy-cop show uh, in in comic form.
0: Really? No? I'd rather see... uh you know, the old Azula, Zuko, like, one of us is insane and the other one's trying to keep the uh, insane one on task, like, traveling through the world. <laughs> I'd rather see that. Well,
1: that's going to be tough. Like, you almost need yeah. Aang to be there because Azula is such a threat. You couldn't just have the two of Aang, them.
2: Zuko, and Azula. Tag team. All of them. You know? It's <laughs> a, I, I, w- I want to see, like, this world slowly transition into the, like, noir world of Legend of Korra too like I want to see sort of like uh, we were talking about Full Metal Alchemist when it comes to Korra I want to see that vibe with the story with Aang and uh, Zuko and everybody that would be awesome I just want to see more of the world I'm always anxious to see more of the world
0: well I think every the search gives us a chance to check in on some of our traveling characters of past so we know Tylee used to be part of the circus maybe she's out doing stuff again and We have our uh, leaf from the or uh, magic tunnel hippies that were just wandering around the Earth Kingdom. So I just want to see
1: some uh, foggy swamp tribe action yeah, again.
0: Let's do it. Who knows? Who knows where Zuko's mom is? Maybe we get to see some other part of the world that if, we'll know exists in Korra. What if she's been in the in uh, like the Firebender jail the whole time? <laughs> yeah. just go to the basement guys look over she's no, right next to the fire lord it'll be the crying game and Ozai will be like I am also your mother what that would be <laughs> that would get weird send your hate mails hit twitter user da7 yeah
2: yeah didn't Ozai said something Darth Vader like like look into your heart almost almost very similar to that
1: I think he was just quoting his favorite 80s rock ballad <laughs> You know
2: it to be true. (laughs) Well, I think that about wraps
1: things up. Uh, Overall, I think we're pretty thumbs up on the promise. Can I speak for all of us and say good outing uh, and and continue to do – the books because i mean i i think they're a great taste of avatar the last airbender i think they're taking things a whole different direction and for us fans i'm like I, I like being open to the idea of i like them experimenting it wasn't completely successful in my mind um but i always want them to try new things and they seem to want to do that with these comics uh, which is good
2: Do you guys think people should just pick up these three books as a, as they are because i feel like there's going to be a collected edition
0: at some point Ooh,
1: like a hardcover fancy
0: Um, Dark Horse has already announced its first quarter releases, and it does not include a collected promise, so go get your books now. I
1: don't know how they've been
0: selling. I I guess if it's been a big seller for them that they
1: would do something, but I don't know.
0: Uh, It would seem that it's been doing okay in the sense that Dark Horse has been re-upping its commitments to um, licensed properties, both uh, Mm -hmm. Buffy and... uh, Legend of uh, Avatar or Legend of Korra. <laughs> and it's not Legend of Korra. Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, but we definitely know that the first uh, search will be coming out the third week of March right now. But, I mean, they also haven't been that good about hitting those dates this far off. So let's just say March. <laughs> Excellent.
1: Uh, well, that about wraps things up for our uh, deep read of The Promise, Part 1, 2, and 3. Uh, why don't we sign ourselves off here? Davindra?
2: Sure, you guys can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Davindra. I write about technology at venturebeat.com and I podcast about movies and TV at slash film.com. Dave?
0: Hey, it's me, Dave with the Seven. You can find me on Twitter at DA7E, writing about movies, latino-review.com, and on a podcast with Matt Patches and two other intelligent people at opkino.com. And I'm Matt Patches. I write about movies at hollywood.com.
1: I'm on Twitter at Mr. M-I-S-T-R Patches, P-A-T-C-H-E-S. I'm on Tumblr, mattpatches.com. Operation Kino with Dave7. And uh, that about wraps things up. We'll see you next time. We promise.